Hello, Sac State students, and welcome to another episode of the State Hornet Spotlight. I'm Rose Vega from the podcast section with fellow podcaster Gavin Rock. Today, we spoke with Sac State history professor Joseph Palermo and took a deep dive into all things conspiracy theories. My name is Joseph Palermo, and I'm a professor of American history at Sac State. I've been there since about 2002. I focus mostly on the uh, 20th century America, in particular post-World War II, pretty current stuff. So we're here today to talk about more or less conspiracy theories. And I was wondering if there's any research you've done on the topic in your in yourself. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've written a lot about the 50s and 60s and also Watergate. And there are conspiracies, and I could name a bunch of them for you. In the re- since the World War II period, when the U.S. created the Central Intelligence Agency and created this national security state, beginning in the late 40s, there were, were all these revelations in the mid-1970s. There's a committee that was run by Senator Frank Church, and then there was this thing called the Rockefeller Commission. And they were both um, looking into things that the CIA had been doing and the FBI that the American people didn't know about. And so what, I, what, what bothers me about the flat earths and the, and the Q and all these other crazy conspiracies is that they end up lumping real actual conspiracies that have happened uh, in with these crazy ones, right? And I, the ones I'm talking about in particular, I mean, I've written about Watergate and Watergate is two conspiracies. One conspiracy is they have this group called the Plumbers, and they're doing black bag jobs all around the country, breaking into uh, offices, taking photographs of documents, etc. And that was a conspiracy, and it was run out of the White House, and it wasn't the CIA, and it wasn't the FBI. It was this private little group. And then there was a second conspiracy after they got caught, which was to pay them hush money, suborn perjury, part of the cover-up. And so right there, nobody will dispute that the Watergate scandal that we hear so much about all the time. Everything has a gate at the end of it now, you know. But um, those were two conspiracies. And so they do happen. And, and my, I, I think as a historian, the problem, one of the problems is, is that there were so many shocking revelations about what the United States government was doing secretly in our name abroad often. And the CIA plays a big role in this, but also the FBI. And there are all these ex- exposés. I mean, it's 45 years ago now, but there are all these exposés about what they were doing. And I think a lot of people really lost trust in the government at that time. And they're willing to believe almost any wild conspiracy today. There's more to it, but I would, I would not want historians to think that, oh, conspiracies never happen or they can't happen when they do all the time, we know, you know, that we have documented cases of, of actual conspiracies that were exposed later, you know. And how would you define a conspiracy theory? Well, you know, that term is very uh, inexact and packed and fraught with all sorts of problems. Um, it's usually, it's, it usually just pertains to anybody who has a tinfoil hat on and they think that the UFOs are coming, the chemtrails are part of the, or all this kind of stuff. The Q, the Q stuff, the Democrats are pedophiles and they're drinking children's blood and all this kind of stuff. For me as a historian and a, a historian of this period, the Cold War, there 
was in it's very famous i mean you could google it and get a ton of information on it it's a very famous program that was called cointel pro and it was run by the fbi well that was all secret they were bugging they even bugged martin luther king's phones and they bugged his hotel rooms and they went through his garbage and they created conflicts between the groups different uh, african-american militant groups uh, to divide them and they did that all without any court warrants or and it was under um Jerry Hoover's FBI. It's called Cointel Pro. Well, that was a conspiracy. And but it's a real those were real things conspiracies. I mean, and you see it, you know, that what the CIA did in Iran in 53 and Guatemala in 54, the Bay of Pigs operation in 61, which I've written a lot about. The Pentagon Papers is a famous case too where Daniel Ellsberg leaked these in 1971, he leaked like 6,000 documents that showed that the United States was deeply involved in these coups that took place in South Vietnam. And at the time, publicly, the presidents, uh, Johnson, Kennedy, Eisenhower, you know, they were always saying, oh, we, we don't, oh, we're monitoring the situation. We don't know what's going on. Well, it comes out later that the U.S. was engineering these coups in Vietnam. And, and then there's, you know, I wrote about the Iran-Contra scandal, too. And that's a conspiracy. They had fake passports. They were selling weapons to the Iranians and they were taking money and they were funding the Nicaraguan Contras and they were doing that all without the knowledge of the State Department, Defense Department or anything. It was a, a National Security Council, White House operation. It was a big, I mean, like in other words, these conspiracies exist. You know, the Pentagon Papers exposed that the Gulf of Tonkin incident that the whole Vietnam War is based on was a the American people didn't really know all the facts about that. Well, you know, I can understand why people would be susceptible to, to believing in conspiracies because there have been so many that have been um, exposed in the last 45 years, let's say. Or, but that doesn't mean, I just say, that makes people susceptible to believing. Uh, you know, it's not irrational to believe that the big pharmacy companies are they do terrible things and profit on our health and stuff because they do right and then you but then you contort that and it becomes like anti-vaccine act you know but i would argue that that some of these serve power and that's why they're not going to go away in other words you could see very clearly that and again it's kind of a conspiracy joe biden the president of the united states he won the election of 2020 but you have this whole political party you got this all this right-wing media they're saying no it was rigged it was a hoax um, and they're keeping that going by because they, they want to keep their base energized to s tap into their votes in 2022. I get that. But it's very dangerous because, like Voltaire said, you know, anyone who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. And just because they have these false beliefs that are mutually validating doesn't have anything to do with the fact, of, you know, when truth is concerned, as if they do with truth. But they have a unanimity to these mutually validating false beliefs. And it's very dangerous that we're allowing these to metastasize. But I don't think there's, there's not an easy way out because until those in power, and I mean the right wing, the Republican, until the right wing Republicans at least get up and say, Joe Biden won the election fairly and freely and it wasn't rigged and it wasn't a hoax, until they get up and they say that as a political party, we're still in this kind of QAnon uh, netherworld where you have millions of people 
who believe that the election that we just had was rigged and false and that Trump really won in a landslide. So, I mean, I think that the, the, the horse already left the barn on that when they uh, voted on January 6th, the same day as the insurrection, right? They, 139 House Republicans and 10 uh, Senator, Senate Republicans all voted to, de to not to certify the election. I mean, that I've never seen that in my life. I'm a historian. That's never happened. The last time that has happened, something similar happened. It was until eight, 18, eight, uh, 1876. Like nothing in the 20th century or 21st century even comes close. It's never, you know, there's so many rabbit holes to go down. And that's the other part of it is that we're linked into the Google, Facebook, YouTube world now. And, and so everybody's in these silos and rabbit holes and you can get, you know, the algorithms will give you mutually uh, validating information, right? That makes it feel like, oh, there's millions of us that believe this, right? Like flat earth or which is amazing that in 2021, I mean, they just landed a, you know, a car on, on Mars and there's people, millions of Americans who are on these, they're saying the earth's flat. I mean, come on, you know, um, I blame the fossil fuel industry though on that because they were the first ones to really start denigrating science because they did not want to acknowledge uh, climate change because that would hurt their business model. And what they did was they hid their own internal studies that they knew that carbons were going to do this to the atmosphere, that the Exxon knew it in the 80s. But they financed these think tanks to spread, uh, oh, it's a hoax. Or, and when they couldn't do that, they would say, oh, well, the science is divided on it. We don't, you know, oh, we don't, oh, nobody knows. You kind of just touched on it, but why do you think it's so difficult for people to get out of the rabbit hole? And why do you think conspiracy theories have such a strong like grip on people who believe in them? Well, you know, um, there's uh, there's a psychological component, and there, as a historian, and a, m m I look at more society, so sociological causes and stuff. And I would think that, you know, those algorithms that are reinforcing these mutually validating fa false beliefs gives this, they, and then psych psychologically, they 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 feel part of a of a group, a uh, in group, like where people want to believe in you know certainty and. It gives them a, 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 there's no nuance, right? The problem with the society we live in, we, we have to deal with nuance. We have to deal with complexity. And these allow you to just kind of throw nuance out the door and just, oh, this is it. This is how it is. And You kind of were re referencing earlier how there are conspiracy theories based in reality. Watergate, Iran-Contra. We, in this day and age, we are seeing the rise of just in insane conspiracy theories, to put it mildly. Why do you, what do you think accounts, and I'm sure that there are myriad of factors, but what do you, why do you think there's such a massive rise in conspiracy theories now? I, I think my analysis is that it serves power, and that's why. Because... If you have a bunch of working people who are not listening to Rush Limbaugh three hours a day, who are listening to actual information about what's going on in America and the world, like real factual information, and not just these little ideological, you know, and I don't mean NPR either. I mean real information like about how the society works and how who has power in our society and who doesn't have power. And if they're if they're out chasing these chimera, you know, the, the little fantasies, the cue over they're they're easy to control because you're, di you're distracting them from 
they wouldn't they want health care, fifteen dollar minimum wage, maybe a safe environment, clean food, clean water, you know, like a good job, retirement, maybe a nice place to live, uh, uh, you know, the, what people people desire. And then when you have them just kind of, even though the standards of living up for millions and millions of American working people have declined over the last. 40 years in real ways and there's entire towns that are just nothing's going on and they're just being neglected and capital's moved on you know they're they've invested in china and mexico and you know they're gone they're global they don't they're not investing in the u.s and and so you got these communities in ohio and in the rust belt and the, all over and the people are angry and they feel that they're working harder for less and they can't get affordable daycare and they can't get affordable, you know, housing and they can't get affordable health care and this and that. And they got all these problems. And then you just say, well, it's over here. See, it's the, it's Q. It's, it's, it's this other thing over here. See, the Democrats, they're so evil. Everything would be great if it weren't for the Democrats. You know, we would, we would, we'd have like a utopia without them because they're part of the deep state and they're keeping us all down and they want to give the country away to people who don't look like you. You know, they look like, you know, these other, the immigrants, the others, the, they're going to come and get you. These are very old tropes in American history, the racism, the anti-immigration. See, I, I would argue that the reason why they're pervasive, if they didn't serve power, then they wouldn't be so pervasive, but they serve, and I mean power by the, the corporate oligarchy that is really running the, most of what goes on in this country. It, it's pretty crazy. It's reached a level of crazy now because of Donald Trump, because every time he said the New York Times, the Washington Post, the CNN, you're all fake, you're fake news. Every time he did that, he used the bully pulpit, you know, the, the American presidency to turn millions of people away from factual information and towards whatever the garbage is coming out of uh, One American News or these or Breitbart, these fake those are the really the fake news organizations. They're right wing. But then he points to, he's basically saying, you know, the, the Columbia Journalism School, right, should just shut down because it's just a hoax. It's all fake, right? Uh, I mean, give me a break. I mean, that's, and then, there, so, okay, I'll make one last point, which is this. Anti-science, because of the fossil fuel thing, you know, and they like to make people question science. They're anti-university, anti-intellectual. They don't like the professors. They don't like the expertise. Don't like teachers. Anti-intellectual, and and because universities are the purveyors of cultural liberalism in the society, you can't have a university if you're going to have all your classes sound like a, a podcast from Sean Hannity, right? You're not going to learn a damn thing. And so then they 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 dunk on the professors. They dunk on the universities. They dunk on science. They dunk on journalism. The people who are keeping the record straight in real time. So they're dumping on, when they dump on the universities, they dump on science, they dump on journalism, they're dumping on the three main pillars of cultural liberalism in the United States of America. And there are some people, most of the followers, they don't know that they're being manipulated, but there are people like Stephen Bannon who knows exactly what he was doing with Breitbart. He knows exactly that they're attacking these pillars of cultural liberalism because he's, they're fascists and they, that's what they do, right? There is a sophisticated propaganda understanding that's behind a lot of these fake uh, news sources and stuff.
Yeah, it's it's a little interesting how you brought up Steve Bannon, just because I've heard interviews with him where he's openly admitted to like wanting to start either a race war or a war of religion between countries, and like if that's his end goal, like I don't think anything he's doing to get there is is good by any means. Well, see, he understands like like he's intellectual enough where he he's a pseudo intellectual dilettante, but he's just a but as a fascist thinker goes like Stephen Miller too, that other guy, they know exactly what they're doing. There are certain people that are fascists and they know what they're doing. They know they're manipulating working people to be part of their, and they know how to do that is like, the Democrats are gonna take your guns away. The Democrats are, they're all, all they care about is abortion. The Democrats are evil. The Democrats are drinking their pedophile, you know, and, and by creating all this kind of, that's why Q has so much traction, you know, because Q is like, perfect right-wing conspiracy theory because you're diverting everybody's attention away from the real problems in our our lives. So speaking of uh, Q, that's something that a conspiracy theory, at least, that has been gaining in popularity. For someone who doesn't know, what is Q? Well, you know, again, as a historian, I would, it's, it's got parts that are very new, but it's got parts that are very old. And the part that's very old is this anti-Semitic trope uh, that goes way, way back to old Europe, right? Where the Jews would kill young children and their Passover secret, I don't know, where they congregate and then they would drink the blood of these young children and blood libel and all this stuff. Deep, deep, deep anti-Semitic trope. And they apply it to George Soros, which is interesting because he's a very well-known um, Jewish billionaire who lived under Nazism as a child, and he lived under the Soviet system too, right? And he's a he's a steadfast supporter of democracy and freedom. You know, it's George Soros. And so they take a guy like that, and then they flip it around. They say, well, he's an evil, you know what I mean? So, so there's one there's some components that are just racist, anti-Semitic old school stuff, right? And then the new stuff is just kind of more, there's a secret deep state and Trump is gonna arrest everybody um, who's part of this deep state and they created this this Russian hoax and you know they're behind all of the terrible things that that went after Trump and, and, and Trump's the tr truth teller. Anything bad happens like losing the election. Trump lost the election. It's not that surprising, he never, was above 50% in his whole, and he did a horrible job with COVID. And it's not that surprising that he lost. And yet there's like, oh, he really won in a landslide and it's this lie and, you know, I mean, it, and so in other words, the reason why these ideas are still, are sticking and st is that they serve power. So long as the powerful, especially in the Republican party, believe they could tap it as a political, uh, gain. Like they don't really have much left. You know, they got the evangelicals and they got the Q people, but they're losing a lot of the suburbs now and stuff. So they're kind of doubling down on the, on the core of the, the same kind of people who attack the capital. That that's who they're talking. They're, they're, they want to keep them revved up going to the 2022 midterm. And I think it will work as a historian. I'll tell you that too, which I don't, I, it, it saddens me. But I think they probably will win the House of Representatives in 2022 by keeping their base all throwing the red meat to the base. Because the midterm elections are base elections. 
it's going to be a it's going to be a fight between the democratic base and the republican base in 2022 and the republican base is going to be very energized right and that's the whole idea that's why they won't admit they won't even admit that biden won the election i mean that's that's the that's crazy i mean i never saw i've never seen a president do that it's never happened you know in it might be a little out of your purview, but I just want to hear your answer, um, given you're a historian. Um, do you think, just given everything that's happened this past election cycle, and how Trump is still, from the minimal polling I've seen, still the kind of figurehead of the Republican Party, for all intents and purposes, um, do you think we're going to start seeing uh, more political violence around election seasons? What I would expect, uh, you know, and I'm not a prognosticator, but... I would not be surprised if there were a Timothy McVeigh type mass casualty attack somewhere at a soft target. They're not going to go at the Capitol or, or the, the Washington DC. If you, if in 1990, April, 1995, Timothy McVeigh killed 168 people, including 23 children that were at a daycare in the federal building, the main federal building in uh, Oklahoma City. He did it with a big fertilizer bomb in a Ryder, you know, rental truck, right? I think it's highly likely that there will be a mass casualty attack of some kind in a soft target, a federal building in some city where they can, like Oklahoma City or, or Dallas or something, you know, in a red state probably where guys with lots of guns and explosives and stuff don't really get scrutinized much. And the FBI is going to have their hands full. But I think they're also, it's, it's doomed to, when, when McVeigh blew up that federal building in Oklahoma City in April of 1995, public opinion went against them. They didn't win them any, just like the Capitol here. They went in the Capitol and did it, killed a police officer. Are you kidding me? They didn't win any support by doing that. So it's kind of one of those things where they think they're accelerating the revolution, whatever. But I think what they're really doing is they're, they're those kinds of violent acts are going to, they especially start killing police officers. Those kind of violent acts are going to turn everybody off. Everybody's going to go, no, 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 no. We don't want to have anything to, to do with you, right? And and I think that that's where the any movement that needs to confront them uh, or or confront power in any way has to has to be like Martin Luther King, absolutely committed to uh, nonviolence. These guys aren't. But they're not going to win supporters by by killing innocent people or police officers. We've already seen that. Like, look at the Capitol, the Capitol building, uh, that insurrection or whatever they want. How, mu how much support did that win them nationally? And how much did it lose them? I bet it lost them a lot of folks in the suburbs and, and people are kind of like, whoa, I don't want to be part of that. It, you know, if your party is represented by a guy with, with horns and furs and his his face painted and you know if that's your party a lot of people are going to be going eh, i don't think i want to you know so but unfortunately i think that the, the the republicans will probably win in 2022 that's why they won't admit that oh i don't know what biden even Rand paul he was on tv that oh i don't know if biden won or not it's like there's only one reason they're doing that and that's to keep their those QAnon types or the the people who are believing absurdities keep them mobilized and angry. And so they'll vote in 2022. Just, I'll be surprised if it doesn't work. Well, I think that's all the questions we have for you today. Thank you so much for speaking with us. It's been a pleasure. 
Good, good. I enjoy it. So anytime.